0: Thank you. Blessed Trinity. We give you praise. We adore you, Father. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. unto you this evening as a sweet-smelling several. May it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to worship you, for the privilege to worship you, for the grace and the mercy to worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. May we all be seated. Thank you so much, appreciate that, it's wonderful, it's wonderful. It's good, it's good to be here this evening. How was your day? Good? Your day was good? Talk to be, guys, huh? Good, good. Okay, we'll, we'll continue uh, with what we started on Sunday. Remember that this is a, a refuel moment, a refueling moment. So we are, uh, make sure that we are refueled this evening. So we, um, I talked on how married couples, how married couples uh, could heal from the trauma or the hurt or the hurt that is caused by marital infidelity how they can heal from that hurt from the trauma how they can heal from the bitterness how they can heal from the anger how they can heal from the emotional trauma that accompanies uh, that horrible scene of marital infidelity and uh, can you give me ephesians ephesians chapter four is it possible to do that okay if you can ephesians chapter four i read it Ephesians chapter 4, and i read from <clears throat> verse number 26. It says, be angry and do not sin. That's a difficult thing, isn't it? <laughs> it says, be angry and yet do not sin. It says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let me jump down to verse 31. No, verse 30 says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Verse 32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Amen? Forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. I recall that uh, I did mention that the, the pathway to healing, the pathway to healing, the only pathway to healing when we are so hurt, particularly in the scene of marital infidelity, is forgiveness. Forgiveness. And it is not only for the the spouse or for the individual that has been a victim of that sin, but for the entire, entire triangle The spouse that had been cheated on is also a path for deliverance and for freedom for the spouse, for the offending spouse is also a path of freedom for the person with whom the spouse cheated. That is the only thing that God has recommended for us. Divorce is not the answer. Divorce is not the answer. Neither is retaliation the answer. The only answer that God has given us is forgiveness. And I did mention that it was not a coincidence that in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus taught on forgiveness. He taught on forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. And then immediately in chapter 19, the Pharisees brought a question to him. He said, "Can you divorce your wife or your husband for any reason?" So he taught on divorce in chapter 19, that he taught on forgiveness in chapter 18. There were a few things that I did mention with regards to forgiveness in accordance with uh, what Jesus had taught in chapter 18, forgiveness is a gift that we don't deserve. It is a gift that we don't deserve. It is foregoing what is due. In other words, you cancel the debt that is due to you. And when somebody offends us, when somebody offends us, You know, they owe us apology, right? They owe us apology. They owe us retaliation. You know, we get even. Or they owe us a deserved punishment. You know, they should be punished for what they have done to us. Jesus taught that forgiveness is canceling that debt that is due to us. We give up all claims with regards to that debt. He also taught that once we have received forgiveness as a gift, once we have received it, we have to pass it on to the next person. We have to pass it on to others. We don't have to hoard it. Because we have been forgiven, so we can also forgive. And then lastly, he taught that unforgiveness will result in personal torture and inner torment personal torture, and inner torment. Let me ask us, when we are offended or when somebody does something that hurts us, why do we get angry? Why do you get angry when somebody does something that is hurtful? don't say i get angry because it is a normal thing right <laughs> yes why do you get angry yeah okay yes right
1: if you have an expectation <laughs> <laughs> okay can you hear me okay there we go <laughs> If you have expectation on an individual to behave a certain way yes. and the conduct is way apart from where your mind and your expectation has them, right. that can leave you susceptible to emotion.
0: Okay.
1: If you think yeah. that there
0: are... Any other thing? Let me specify that. Let me clarify that. Um, you, know, we, you know, we talked about some inner needs that God has wired us with. And what are those needs? The need for love, right? The need for acceptance, the need for worth, the need for value, the need for significance. Now, if, if, if somebody offends you and you get angry, is there some need that has been denied? You feel that a need has been denied. So, because you know, it is it is always good to analyze why you get angry. Oftentimes, you know, I ask people now, why did you get angry? Why did you get angry? You get angry because there is a perceived need that has been denied. Maybe the need to be valued, the need to be loved. Need to be significant, they need to be respected. And I believe that people get angry because of that. You know, you sit down and analyze anytime that you are angry, think of a need that has been denied you. Think of a need that has been, de- because God has wired us with these needs. And it is the same thing here. When a person has been cheated on, When a person has been cheated on, the anger comes because a deed has been denied. Do we agree with that? What deed has been denied to a wife or a husband who has been cheated on by the husband? What need? The need for respect, you know. Respect. The need for love. The need for acceptance. They need to be valued. They need for worth. That is where people get angry. It's not just because you have, you have offended me. It is because a need has been denied. Now, God forgives because God's worth or value Or acceptance does not depend on us. Does that make sense? I say, God forgives. God forgives us because we offend him. He forgives us because his worth and his value does not depend on us. God has worth and value in himself. And so you cannot offend God because you will not deny him of any of those needs because he has them. He has those needs in himself. Because I want to help us to come to a place where it will be easy for us to forgive. You know why you should forgive. Because if my worth, if my worth and my value, my respect and my love depends on how you treat me, if it depends on how you treat me, then of course, if you don't treat me well, like you said, if you don't meet that expectation, of course I'm going to be angry because that need has been denied. However, If I know that my worth and my value does not depend on how you treat me, now who meets all of our needs? I I want that to sink in because, you know, we always say, God. I really want that to sink in. God meets all of our needs. Of course, he has given us people around us to be the resource for those needs. Does that make sense? God is a source. Okay. So if God meets, I know that God meets my need for respect. Mm-hmm. He meets my need for worth. Mm-hmm. He meets my need for acceptance. Because when I'm cheated on, it means that the person has rejected me, right? Yeah. But God accepts me. Yeah. If I tune my heart, if I tune my mind to that, I know that he meets all of my needs then I will not be angry because I know that my needs are met by him. And that is why we can forgive what people have done, you know the wrongs that people have done to us. Now, now, those, those, those things are Easier said than done? Uh-huh. Those things are easier said than done. Okay. But, but who said that the Christian life is easy? And that was why you recall on Sunday, I said, you know, there is, there is, there is you know, the GISS that I talked about, God's internal security system that God has put in us. And I said, The past world, the good, to experience that life, that victorious life, is I can't, but you can. When we are operating by the flesh, we want to do things by ourselves. But God says, You can't. He said, Without me, you can do nothing. And that is why Paul said, My grace is what? It's sufficient. My grace. Is sufficient. It's not was or will be. Is. Is sufficient at every time. It's not easy. The Christian life is not easy. In fact, I often say that the Christian life is not difficult, but it is impossible. Because the Christian life is not my life. The Christian life is whose life? Christ's life. And then we are always trying to live Christ's life. And it's impossible. It's only Christ that can live his life. And all we need to do is to cooperate with him, to yield to him, to surrender to him. And God will do everything to to ensure that we exchange our self-life with his life. And do you know what it takes? What does it take for you to exchange, to surrender? To surrender my self-life, my flesh, by coping skills, to the life of Christ. What does it take? (laughs) Brokenness. And brokenness cannot come without suffering. Suffering leads to brokenness, and then brokenness leads to surrender. We have to come to the place where we surrender. If we don't surrender, we Cannot not exchange our self-life with the life of Christ. Jesus said, in the, in the world you have what? Tribulation. But he said, be of what? Good cheer, Because I have overcome, and you will overcome. Now, very briefly, let me give you some of the reasons why people feel reluctant. Feel reluctant to forgive. Number one, they don't want to give up the anger. Simple. You know why they don't want to give up the anger? Because some people use anger as a coping mechanism. As long as I remain angry, what the person has done is not going to hurt me more. That's what they think. Number two, they use it as an excuse for not having a relationship with the person. Number three is an excuse for my current behavior and attitude. Number four, we say the offense was too much. It's too much. Even God cannot forgive this one. (laughs) The offense is too great. Number five, we say that the offender doesn't even see that they have offended you. I've heard that the person is just going around doing his thing. (laughs) He or she does not know the gravity of the offense. Number six, the offender is not not sorry. He's not sorry. Number seven, you say, because it is my right. I have the right to be angry. I have the right to remain where I am. And this, and, you know, the next one is, is, is so tricky. There is a false sense of security when we hold on to unforgiveness. There's a false sense of power. You know, it's like you have the power over that person. A false sense of security. And I say it is, it is a false sense. So you have the power over that person. And lastly because we don't want to humble ourselves we don't want to humble ourselves now there was <coughs> there was something i mentioned and uh, you know the whole church said mm. <laughs> because <laughs> because before i started i said this is a very hard a very hard topic You know, it's just like some of those teachings that Jesus gave, like, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are not one of me. And people say, whoa, to eat this man's flesh and drink his blood? And so many people left. Many many disciples left, left him. I said that in the steps in the forgiveness exercise, we should be willing to be hurt again by the person or the memory of their offences or attitude. We should be willing to be hurt again. I would say, whoa. Of course, you can't control that, can you? You can't control that person's behaviour, but you can control your response. Yes. Right. You know, as long as. God is the one who protects me. Does he protect us? I'm willing to take that risk to be hurt again because I know that Christ is going to protect me. I'm willing to take that risk to be hurt again because my dependency is not on the person, but it's on God. You see, when Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I that live but Christ lives with me he says the life I now live in, in this body I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me and he said for me to live is what? Christ, <laughs> Christ. and to die is good for me to live is Christ for me to live is Christ discipleship is costly but it is victorious. Amen. It is eternal life, the life of God Amen. that begins to exude in you, from you. There's so much freedom in my, in my ministry. Uh, the, 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 I see people jump up in freedom when they have gone through the forgiveness exercise. <clears throat> and sometimes it, it may not just be this person that you are looking at, that you need to forgive. It may not be that person. You need to forgive yourself. In fact, sometimes I have found this out that your greatest enemy is you. So when I do the forgiveness exercise with my counsellors, I tell them, do you mind starting with yourself? Because there are... there has been some real bad choices that you've made in life that has put you where you are and you've not forgiven yourself. You hold grudge against yourself. Do you know how I know people who have not forgiven themselves? They speak so ill of themselves. They have a very low self-esteem. Very low self esteem. They see the bottle always half empty. Very negative. They self depreciate, you know, they just depreciate themselves. They have this sense of guilt that hangs over them. They have not received the forgiveness of God. So they need to forgive themselves. You know another person that needs to be forgiven that I've seen some people go to? God. Yeah, many a times we blame God. Why did you give me this man? Why did you give me this? <laughs> Oftentimes we blame God for what we are going through. And you know what? God can take it. He can take it. Now, I'm going to uh, throw it open. Let me just make one point. And that is this, that um, you know, when you're going through this, there's always the tendency, I mean, you have forgiven, you've done all you can, there is always a tendency for you to wall yourself you know what i mean just wall yourself up don't touch me don't talk to nobody you know something that goes with walling yourself off it's like you know if you build a wall around yourself it's like you put yourself in a castle nobody gets in and you can't get out so when you put yourself in that castle <laughs> you know you start experiencing you know you know you know you know the pity party self-pity and of course the enemy loves that it's going to feed you with all kinds of lies going to feed you with all kinds of you know negativity now do you need to have some healthy boundaries Yes of course, some healthy boundaries, but that should that boundary should be out of love. It should be it, sh, it shouldn't be out of anger, it shouldn't be out of retaliation it should be out of sometimes you, you, need, you, need, you may need to protect yourself because you don't know what that man <laughs> or that woman is doing. you need to protect yourself. I think it was it probably... Be, You know, because of that, that uh, Moses, you know, Jesus said, well, Moses permitted us to divorce our wives because of the hardness of heart. Uh, If the man or the woman still has the hardness of heart, it would be good for you to separate yourself. I think Moses may, may have seen, you know, people, you know, fighting and hitting themselves and almost killing them- themselves because of the anger and say hey in order to prevent that there should be a divorcement i want to stop here and um throw it open um are there things that you may have heard on sunday or you've heard now that um, you want to expand on ask questions and uh, open for discussion. Yes. Yes.
1: Okay. Um, my question relates to forgiveness. Um, forgiveness for your, in other words, if you are the offended party or the person who was cheated on, you forgive for yourself. That I, I don't contest with or contend with, but um, I saw something in my reading this week that asked the question, and this was on YouVersion, on the little Bible app, just so you know. I saw something that said essentially, it, it, it asked the question, can you forgive if there's no apology? And it went on to say that God does not expect us, t- us to forgive others in a different manner than he forgives us. And that because we, he does forgive all of our sin, but he does put it upon us to come to him to repent of that sin. And that once we repent of the sin, or at least, you know, we come to God with our sin, we cast our sin to, or to him, and then he brings the, the forgiveness. So the, the, the reading that I read, it seemed to contrast what you were saying and I was kind of stuck between it because I was like that kind of makes sense to me but I do understand what you were saying that it does set you free to forgive irrespective of this other individual's conduct behavior because you don't get yourself walled in with their conduct you stay free so I wanted you to elaborate on the the requirement of there being an apology or even meet unto repentance some kind of fruit of repentance in the life of the individual.
0: Did you understand the question? Yes, in other words, uh, God expects us to come to him and repent before he forgives us. That is what you're saying, right? That is what you read from that book. Okay. Is that, is that, is that, is that the case? I don't think so, right? When did God forgive you? <laughs> 2,000 years ago, right? Yes. Yes.
2: I don't know, maybe that verse was referring to First um, John 1 9, which says that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. But you, you can't take that in the context of God's forgiveness that he already, um, how do I want to put it, that he already purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. I think that more, more or less that is referring to you know you have sinned. Confess your sins and ask for forgiveness. But the fact is, whether you confess it or not, you are already forgiven. You know, but. Yeah, we have to realize that there are some people who believe that every day they have to confess their sin. You know, they come back from work, they say, God, forgive me for all the things I've done. So if the thing was written by such a person, yeah. that's someone that believes that you have to forgive, God, ask God for forgiveness. And so if somebody wrongs you, you have to expect the person to ask for forgiveness. So sometimes when you read those things, in a way it with what you know, what you've learned, yeah. and then place it where it should be.
1: There's a difference between God forgiving us and we accepting the forgiveness so God has forgiven us before the foundation of the earth so my sins are forgiven past present and future but sometimes I have to realize as a person that I'm forgiven so I have to not just realize but accept it and walk in the forgiveness so if I'm saying that it is when I go to God to repent Maybe then is when I actually understand that you know what I'm forgiven of this and I'm set free. But God's forgiveness is there; I just have to receive it. And
0: Amen. Isn't it more like
1: to me when I, when I hear confessing your sin is more like I'm taking it as a personal acknowledgement of what you have done. Yeah, it's just like wow, I did this again today, mm-hmm. Father God. I know you have already forgiven me, but I just wanted to know yeah. that I did it. Because you have to be conscious of what you have done. That's if right. you are not conscious of it, sometimes you just feel like yeah. you keep moving forward. So you
0: confess, but you also remember that you have been forgiven. So you confess, and then you receive. Yes. Pastor do you want to say something? I,
2: um, the way I'm coming at it is different. Um, I believe more than anything we have to Put a lot of things in context. Sure. And for me, for forgiveness now, I think I try to put Christ within the context of forgiveness. And this is what I mean. In Matthew 22, I believe, the lawyer came to Jesus and he said, um, what is the greatest commandment? He said, you shall love your Lord, the Lord I God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. He said, the second is as the first. You will love your your neighbor as yourself. If you look at just that, within that context, it's a matter of, I will love you just as I love myself. And I find that some days that I hate myself, the days I hate myself, I'm going to inevitably hate you. No, I mean, realistically, because when they came to Jesus, he was talking to them based on the law. They asked him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus told them what the greatest commandment is. And so the day I feel good about myself, then I'll love you the more. But if you look at John chapter 13, Jesus Christ now said, a new commandment, a new commandment. That's right. I give to you. Mm-hmm. Love your neighbor as I I've loved you.
0: That's
2: right. And so, if we put Christ in the context of everything, I think it makes it not easy, but it makes it bearable in terms of the fact that all the burden of forgiveness, of loving, is just on Christ. Because that's what he said. Right. A new commandment I give to you. Love your neighbor as I have loved you. In other words, I laid my life down And so we are able to bear it now because of Jesus. See, I am not able to forgive anyone in my own strength. Because the day I feel good about that offense is okay. I mean, and I don't know if it happens to some people, the day you look at that person, you feel good. Okay, I think I can walk with this thing today. And the day it doesn't feel good, you are not going to be able to walk with that thing on that day. And so when Christ now becomes the center of everything, it changes everything completely. Then... To forgive you, I look at it through the lenses of Christ and understand that if he laid down his life, then I can lay down my life. And I can easily forgive you and move beyond the hurt so that I can enjoy life in in its fullness. So for me, the answer is I just try to put Christ within the context of that forgiveness and just take my eyes off of the need that I feel have been deprived of and place Christ in that place.
0: That is why that, you know, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is Christ in me. Christ in me. Christ in me. That is a life that he has given to each and every one of us. For him to live that life, there is a common saying that, you know, I I use that, uh, you know, to walk my life. In other words, Christ gave his life for me in order to give his life to me in order that he might live his life through me. That is my motto. Christ living his life through me. Everything I do is Christ-centered. Christ-centered. And if you live a Christ-centered life, it will not be you doing it, but him doing all the things. He's, he's the one doing the forgiveness in and through you. He's the one loving your wife, loving the unlovable in and through you. And not you doing it. Because you can't do nothing. You can't not do anything. Amen? I think our time is... Uh, our time is up. Pastor Tosin, could you lead us in a a time of prayer, a short prayer time?
2: Thank you. Hallelujah. Let, let's turn to our feet tonight. I think on the note we ended is about a perfect note which is at the end of the day is all about Jesus. For some reason, for the last one month, Psalm 16 has just been something that I've been holding on to. And these days, I like to read it in the New Century Version. But I want to read this particular verse, and then I want us to pray. Here. In verse 5. He says, no, the Lord is all I need. He takes care of me. My share in life has been pleasant, and my part has been beautiful. I praise the Lord because he advises me. Even at night, I feel His leading. Verse 8. He says, I keep the Lord before me always because he is close by my side. I will not be hurt. I keep the Lord always before me. At the end of the day, Christ lives within us. What holds us back from being able to forgive is the lack of that consciousness of that Christ life that is in us. Dr. Nofyok said it plainly. When it happens, our focus is the need that we're deprived of Rather than of Jesus that can feel that need. So tonight, this is the prayer I want us to pray. He says, I, I, "I keep the Lord before me always. He knows he's already close by. I will not be hurt." He says, "I know he's close by, but I keep him always before me." What he's saying is, I keep him in my consciousness." I am acutely aware that God is close to me. Therefore, I cannot be hurt. I want you to lift up your voice tonight. That by the spirit of God, there will be an awakening within. An awakening to the consciousness of the Christ life that is in us. So that we, like David, can say, I keep the Lord always before me. Because he is close by me, I will not be hurt. I want you to lift up your voice tonight. Lord, I know I can't do this in my own strength. It is not possible. If it were possible, I would be better off where I am. But Lord, I recognize that in you, I live and move and have my being. You are my life. I therefore pray tonight that the consciousness of the Christ life will go with me every day. Lord, I pray what, that by your grace, oh God, you will enable me to be quickened in my inner man, for me to walk conscious of the Christ's life that is in me. Like Paul, I can say, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. That the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Tonight, therefore, Lord, I pray that, Lord God Almighty, the awareness of the Christ life, Spirit of God, you will quicken it within me, that every minute of every second of every day, I would walk conscious of this, knowing you are the one that meets all my need. For you said on your word, O oh God, that my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I know therefore that through Christ all of my needs are met. Therefore Lord I pray tonight that Lord my focus will not be on that which has been deprived me but that which I already have that Christ in me has become the hope of glory that the Christ in me has given me life. That the Christ in me is strengthening me that irrespective of the the arrow the enemy may throw in any of my relationship that my eyes will be focused on you. I will keep my eyes upon you. I will set you as the center of everything for your word declares through Christ, from Christ and to Christ is all things and therefore Lord I know you are the one that is holding on my relationship. You are the one that is holding my marriage. You are the one that is holding my life. My God I pray that my eyes will be upon you i will not set my eyes upon the things around me but lord it will be upon you in everything that i do i give you praise tonight my lord we pray for every marriage that lord the intent of the enemy to distract lord and opening that by opening any door of infidelity in this body Father, tonight we declare that by the grace of God, every marriage will stand. We declare that in the name of Jesus, O God, you will open our eyes to see the lies of the enemy. Lord, and understand that there is a power that has been given to us. You say, Christ in me, the hope of glory. My Lord, tonight we declare it is the Christ in us that is the hope of a strong marriage. It is the Christ in us that is the hope, O God, of a beautiful home. Therefore, we set our eyes upon you. We declare infidelity will not handicap our marriages. But Lord Jesus will be the strength of our home. We will grow from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Your love will increase and abound in our homes in the name of Jesus. We give you praise tonight. We give you glory tonight. The Lord, that person that is struggling with forgiveness, Lord, tonight, we come together as a body and we pray. Open their eyes. Cause your love to flood your heart. Cause the finished work of Christ to become, oh God, clear to them. That Lord, they may walk in the consciousness of that which you have done. We receive forgiveness on their behalf in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you. Our marriages are whole. We walk in wholesomeness in every aspect of our lives in the name of Jesus. There are no distractions, oh God. Wherever distractions are, we shut them down tonight. And we declare the grace of God is sufficient. It's sufficient for our men. It's sufficient for our women. It is sufficient for our children. In everything that we do, you are glorified, oh God. You are magnified, oh God. Somebody give him praise tonight somebody give him praise tonight. Somebody give him praise tonight. Somebody give him praise tonight. Lord, tonight, oh God, we, we speak, oh God, to our very heart that as we come across those that have gone through this in our workplace, it will be a medium of bringing them to Christ. We receive the word for now. You said faith is now. Father, we receive that word of reconciliation. For you said, Lord, we should go reconciling all men to you. Father, thank you that we have the word that will bring healing to their situation. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. You're a good God. And you're worthy of our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.